Good morning. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. It's Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. The lingering impacts of unprecedented cold. We had record-breaking low temperatures. I'm Clayton Neville. President Biden's national security advisor says all nations have a stake in stopping attacks by Houthi rebels. Sagar Magani, Washington. Former President Trump and Eugene Carroll were both in Lower Manhattan as the second defamation lawsuit gets underway. I'm Sue Aller. The GOP presidential hopefuls are in a one-week sprint to next Tuesday's New Hampshire primary. by Norman Hall. I'm Jessica Edinger. On Wall Street, a sell-off for stocks to start the week. Bond yields moved higher. U.S. Defense Secretary accused of keeping secrets from the White House. Ben. The Supreme Court has allowed a court order to take effect that could loosen Apple's grip on its lucrative iPhone app store. I'm Shelley Adler. All ahead on America in the Morning. Bitterly cold winter weather stretches from the deep south through the Midwest and Northeast. And on this Wednesday, headaches are just beginning for travelers at American airports. Here's our Clayton Neville reporting. FlightAware says that more than 8,000 U.S. flights were either canceled or delayed on Tuesday as winter weather gripped much of the Midwest, the South, and the Northeast, below freezing temperatures for 90 hours straight in cities that just aren't used to that, like Dallas. It's freezing outside and I can't really feel anything because it's all steamy and cold. I love the cold but I know everyone else don't. Kathleen Bangs with FlightAware says some airports aren't equipped to handle the blistering conditions. So that's really hampering uh, delays and cancellations, certainly impacting American Airlines, uh, Southwest Airlines, and other carriers that operate out of Austin. Snow and ice caused treacherous driving conditions in Alabama, and shelters were open across the region. Houston Mayor John Whitmire. We had a total of 900 individuals in our warming centers. The warming centers will remain opening overnight. City officials in Austin bracing for continued impacts. We had record-breaking low temperatures in Travis County, and we're going to have some more before this is over. All eyes have been on the Texas power grid, which nearly collapsed three years ago in a winter storm. So far, so good there, but Texans have been asked to conserve energy during the extreme cold snap. The bitter cold with wide-ranging impacts. Hundreds of flights were canceled from LaGuardia Airport in New York City to Reagan National to Chicago O'Hare and other big ones. Some travelers stuck on the tarmac for hours. Others forced to wait inside the terminal. I'm Clayton Neville. President Biden's national security advisor says all nations have a stake in stopping attacks by Houthi and Yemen that have significantly disrupted shipping in the Red Sea. This comes after a cargo ship was struck by an Iran-backed Houthi missile and the U.S. firing back at Yemeni targets. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani has this update. The aim of these strikes was to disrupt and degrade the Houthis' ability to continue their reckless attacks against vessels and commercial shipping in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. Jake Sullivan says it's not just an American problem. We anticipated the Houthis would continue to try to hold this critical artery at risk, and we continue to reserve the right to take further action, but this needs to be an all-hands-on-deck effort. Saying at the World Economic Forum, the U.S., its allies, and those with influence on Iran and other Middle East countries must send a clear signal. Making this a priority to indicate that the entire world rejects wholesale uh, the idea that 
a group like the Houthis can basically hijack the world as they are doing. The U.S. launched a new strike on the rebels today, the third in recent days. Knocking out four ballistic missiles that we believe were prepped and ready to be launched from Yemen. Uh, took them out before they could do that. So uh, we have said before, we'll say it again, we stand ready to defend our interests, our sailors, our ships, and that of merchant shipping um, as required. Um, we're not looking for a war. We're not looking to expand this. Uh, uh, Houthis have uh, a choice to make, uh, and uh, they still have time to make the right choice, which is to stop these reckless attacks. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. is not looking for a new war, but will keep protecting Red Sea mariners. We believe that we did have a good effect those strikes in terms of disrupting and degrading their capability uh, uh, to conduct military uh, offensive operations. As for what the next turn is here, I, simp- I won't get ahead of potential military operations one way or the other. Sagar Magani, Washington. American military recovered Iranian-made missile warheads destined for Yemen during a shipboarding mission off the coast of Somalia. In that action, two elite Navy SEALs were swept by strong waves and lost in the Arabian Sea. A search operation for those SEAL team members continues. First, the sexual assault suit. Now, defamation. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning, beginning in the West, where rain and snow is expected. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has the national forecast. While much of the central and eastern parts of the nation will have a break from the recent stormy weather, the northwest will remain quite active today. Rounds of rain will soak parts of western Washington into northern California, with snow spilling over in the northern and central Rockies. Even Seattle can see some wet snow mixing in with the rain at times, as just enough cold air will be in place. Meanwhile, while the Midwest will still be cold today, it will not be as harsh as recent days with highs in the teens, along with less wind, including places like Des Moines, Madison, and Chicago. However, much of the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and Upper Ohio Valley will experience some of this Arctic chill today. Here, highs will only be in the teens into the 20s. Strong gusty winds will make it feel even colder, anywhere from 10 to 20 below zero from the northern Appalachians on west. Even the coastal cities from Portland, Maine to New York City down to the nation's capital will get in on the cold and windy conditions today with highs mainly below freezing and gusty winds making it feel like it's in the teens much of the day. The northern plains will have a reinforcing shot of cold air with highs in the single digits despite plenty of sunshine. 
As that cold air crosses the Great Lakes, there'll be heavy lake effect snow over portions of northern Michigan and western New York, where favored lake effect snow areas will be measuring that snow in feet. High pressure will bring plenty of sunshine to the southeast, but it will remain chilly with highs in the 30s and 40s. Clouds will be found over Florida, but it will be largely dry with highs in the 50s and 60s. The southern plains into Texas and into the southwest will have dry and sunny weather with highs mainly in the 50s and 60s. And that's the weather across America. In New York City today, plenty of sunshine and windy, high 26. Meanwhile, in Portland, Oregon, rain with a high of 45. That's the nation's weather. I'm IQWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A federal jury was selected in Manhattan Tuesday and tasked with determining how much money Donald Trump must pay the writer E. Jean Carroll for comments he made in 2019 denying he sexually assaulted her. Sue Aller reports from New York that both Carroll and the former president were in the courtroom. Former President Trump's lawyers want the judge in the E. Jean Carroll new defamation lawsuit to recuse himself because of prior work with Carroll's attorney. That is just one of the many grievances the Trump team has with the case. President Trump is fully in his right to completely deny these false accusations. And the judge up there has denied President Trump the basic American right to say that he's been wrongfully accused. But the judge was not having it and is putting measures in place so that the trial doesn't get out of hand. He has not issued a gag order on Trump, but said that Trump couldn't talk about the case within earshot of jurors. Carroll has accused Trump of defamatory comments he made about Carroll while he was president, as well as comments he made after losing the first trial. I have no idea who this one. This is a fake story, made up story. In a post to his Truth Social platform, Trump called the case a giant election interference scam and continues to deny raping her in a Manhattan department store in the 1990s. The trial is expected to last less than a week. I'm Sue Aller. From the courtroom to the campaign trail, Donald Trump flew to the Granite State, where the GOP presidential hopefuls are in a one-week sprint to next Tuesday's New Hampshire primary. Following the candidates, correspondent Norman Hall. I go to a Biden witch hunt, and then I come here in the afternoon, and I stop, and we make speeches, and we get your votes, and all that stuff. But nobody's ever had to do this before. Fresh off his 30-point victory in Iowa, former President Donald Trump told supporters in New Hampshire not to be complacent. Don't believe the polls. Or even if you want, think we're one point down. We're not. We're like 30 points up. We can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, endorsed by New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, hopes to fare better than her close third finish in Iowa. The weather's going to be nice on Tuesday. Chris already checked. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, meanwhile, opted to campaign Tuesday in South Carolina, Haley's home state, where he attacked her rather than Trump. i Norman Hall. Chances for a spring rebound in the real estate market. In business news next, America in the Morning's back after these messages.
This is America in the Morning. Welcome back. Missiles being fired by Iranian-backed Houthis at ships in the waters around Yemen are having a new effect. Some ship insurers are now starting to avoid offering coverage to U.S. and U.K. merchant ships navigating those waters. Bloomberg is reporting that underwriters are seeking exclusions and not providing insurance for vessels with any links to the U.S., the U.K., and Israel when issuing coverage for trips through that area. Egypt reports that revenues for the use of the Suez Canal have plunged by 40 percent due to the Houthi attacks as ships are diverting from that area. With a look at Wednesday business, here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a sell-off for stocks yesterday. Bond yields moved higher. The 10-year Treasury over 4%. The Dow dropped more than 200 points. A little uptick in yields. Again, it's all happening within the range of relatively normal pullback-type activity. The market was just harder to please coming into this year. CNBC's Mike Santoli. Still, fresh all-time highs yesterday for some hot stocks like Microsoft with its AI products and Eli Lilly with its weight loss drugs. JetBlue and Spirit Airlines have been blocked from merging in what some call a win for consumers. The $3.8 billion merger between JetBlue and Spirit has been blocked. Quote of the day from Judge William Young, for dedicated customers of Spirit, this one's for you. Basically said, you're going to be able to keep your low fares. But if you're looking at the airlines and saying, hey, maybe we think Alaska and Hawaii will go through because that's up next. Uh, A lot of people are saying maybe not. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. Restaurant Brands International, the parent of Burger King, spending about a billion dollars to buy back locations from its largest U.S. franchisee. The goal is to remodel those 600 restaurants and then sell them back to franchisees. The Olympics will have a beer sponsor for the first time in the 40-year history of the sponsorship program. Anheuser-Busch InBev's non-alcoholic Corona Zero will be the official Olympic beer for the next three summer and winter games, including this summer's Olympics in Paris. The Summer Olympics are on NBC, a sister channel to CNBC. Jessica, at this point in the winter season, how's the real estate market looking? The spring housing market may be starting to get hot earlier than normal. We started hearing from agents a little over a week ago that there was a surge in interest from both home buyers and home sellers, likely because of that recent drop in mortgage rates. The 30-year fixed hit a recent high around 8% in October. It's now sitting around 6.69%. So despite four inches of fresh snow and freezing temperatures over the weekend, buyers showed up to this open house in Detroit on Saturday. I have a home in Georgia. That finance rate I got way back when the market crashed, and it's at 4%. So I know I'm never going to get 4%. But what I don't want is 9, 10, 11, and 12. It is not a credit card. It's a house. Nikita Bell, who's currently renting, said the drop-in rates got her out looking. CNBC's Diana Olick. On today's watch list, earnings are coming from Charles Schwab, U.S. Bancorp, Prologis, and Alcoa. We also get the latest on how home builders are feeling about the economy, plus industrial production numbers for December. The FTC will announce whether it'll approve the proposed merger of the Kroger and Albertsons grocery chains. More on that coming, I'm sure. CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. When we return on America in the Morning... Hold the phone. The Supreme Court weighs in on the iPhone App Store after these messages. America in the Morning continues. 
The 911 call made by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's security detail asked that the ambulance they called for him on January 1st approach his house in Northern Virginia without lights and sirens and that he be taken to Walter Reed National Military Hospital. The call has been released to the news media. Fairfax County 911, where is your emergency? I work for and I am requesting an ambulance to be taken can I can I ask that can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Um, we're trying to mm -hmm. remain a, a little subtle. Yeah, usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off, uh, but they're required by law. The 70-year-old kept his prostate cancer diagnosis and time at Walter Reed's secret, including from the White House. The Pentagon's inspector generals investigating the events surrounding Austin's hospitalization and failure to notify key members of his staff, the White House, and Congress. The nation's highest ruling body has allowed a court order to take effect that could loosen Apple's grip on its lucrative iPhone app store. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. The justices rejected Apple's appeal of lower court rulings that found some of Apple's App Store rules for apps purchased on more than one billion iPhones constitutes unfair competition under California law. The appeal stemmed from an antitrust lawsuit filed by Epic Games, maker of the popular Fortnite video game. The court action allows app developers throughout the country to insert links to other payment options. That change would make it easier for developers to avoid paying Apple's commissions. I'm Shelley Adler. America in the Morning for Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. Top congressional leaders set to meet at the White House today for talks on national security funding. I'm John Stolness in Washington. A surge of migration at the southern border proving to be quite costly. I'm Clayton Neville. After 100 days of war, Palestinians are keeping up the fight against Israel. I'm Charles Dilovesma. The Supreme Court is staying out of the fight over bathrooms for transgender students. Sagar Magani, Washington. A judge is blocking JetBlue's $3.8 billion buyout of Spirit Airlines. I'm Ed Donahue. A woman has alleged that New York Knicks owner James Dolan sexually assaulted her a decade ago. I'm Geffen Coolbaum. Back after these messages. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Welcome back and thanks for listening to America in the Morning. The deep freeze continues over much of the country. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson is in. The bitterly cold Arctic air will ease for some today, but shift into other parts of the nation. Places across the Midwest that have been hard-pressed to climb much above zero degrees the past few days will at least have less wind and highs in the teens this afternoon, including most of Iowa and into the Chicago area. However, the cold weather will spread into areas that have not been used to that Arctic outbreak 
recently, including the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and Upper Ohio Valley. Here, highs will only be in the teens into the 20s. Along with that, strong gusty winds will make it feel even colder, anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees below zero from the northern Appalachians on west. Even the coastal cities from Boston to the nation's capital will get in on the cold and windy conditions today, with highs mainly below freezing and gusty winds making it feel like it's in the teens much of the day, even single digits this morning. The northern plains will have a reinforcing shot of cold air with highs in the single digits, even though there'll be plenty of sunshine throughout the day. Aside from the turn to colder and windier weather, much of the east will have a break from the recent stormy weather. As the cold air crosses the Great Lakes, there'll be heavy lake effect snow over portions of northern Michigan and western New York State, where favored lake effect snow areas will be measuring snow and feet. However, high pressure will promote plenty of sunshine across the southeast, but it will remain chilly with highs only in the 30s and 40s. More than the way of clouds will be found over Florida, but it will be largely dry with highs in the 50s and 60s. The southern plains into Texas and the southwest will have dry and sunny weather with highs in the 50s and 60s. Most of the stormy weather today will be found in the northwest with rounds of rain from western Washington into northern California with snow spilling over into the northern and central Rockies, but even Seattle can have some wet snow mixing in. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Later today, President Biden will welcome congressional leaders to the White House for discussions on how to move forward with his supplemental national security budget requests. John Stolnes has details from Washington. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Speaker Mike Johnson, and Democratic Leader Hakeem Jeffries, along with some of the key committee chairs, are set to meet with the president for discussions on moving forward with funding for Ukraine, beefing up security at the southern border, and providing money for Israel's war efforts in Gaza. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the president is trying to kickstart Congress into action. That supplemental request is obviously a, a continues to be a top priority. Uh, including, right, to, to secure our border, uh, including to, to help Ukraine defend itself against Putin's tyranny, as we all know, as we you all have covered. Negotiators in the Senate have been working with the White House and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on a compromise that would fund the war efforts by Ukraine and Israel in exchange for new border policy. House Republicans have been critical of those negotiations, saying the discussions thus far haven't gone far enough. Jean-Pierre says those negotiations continue. While the president is having this really important meeting tomorrow, negotiations on a bipartisan agreement on the border, uh, as it includes funding and policy, are still ongoing. Uh, so that is, we believe, is, is headed in the right direction, the right track. The White House said earlier this month, unless Congress agrees to supplemental war funds, Ukraine will not be able to receive the military hardware needed to fend off Russia's advances. After meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the World Economic Forum in Davos yesterday, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan remains optimistic they'll get the money for Ukraine. We've got to be able to deliver the necessary resources to Ukraine for the weapons that it needs to be able to achieve the results that it needs. And that requires mobilizing the bipartisan support we have in both the House and Senate, converting that into actual votes. Meanwhile, the Senate moved forward with a motion last night on a continuing resolution that would prevent a partial government shutdown this week. A CR would keep the government open to March 1st, giving legislators more time for negotiations on spending. John Stolnes, Washington. American states are budgeting big bucks to address a surge of migration into the country while the federal government is taking more legal action against Texas. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports from the Lone Star State. 
The Department of Justice asking the U.S. Supreme Court to step in over a continued battle between state and local leaders at the Texas-Mexico border. The DOJ is asking that federal agents have access to a park in Eagle Pass, Texas, which the state guard is currently blocking access to. Border Patrol has used the park to stage boats, and Texas leaders say it was being used to hold migrants before taking them to be processed. So they shut it down. Governor Greg Abbott. Texas has uh, the legal authority uh, to, to control ingress and egress into any geographic location in the state of Texas. Uh, and that authority is being asserted uh, with regard to that park in Eagle Pass, Texas, uh, to maintain operational control of it. The DOJ request to the high court comes after a mother and two children drowned over the weekend in the Rio Grande River, not far from the Eagle Pass Park. Meanwhile, in New York, state and city officials are addressing what they say is a continued surge of migrants being sent from Texas to the Northeast. New York City Mayor Eric Adams for months has called on more help from the federal government. A similar call by Governor Greg Abbott has been made for years. We need to mobilize together to tell our national government New York City is the financial capital of this country and state. Everyone should be surrounding New York City to say New York City should not be going through this. And I tell people all the time when they stop me on the subway system, don't yell at me, yell at D.C. A proposal released by the governor of New York's office this week allocates more than $2 billion to address a migrant crisis. Money would be spent on shelters, National Guard deployment. I'm Clayton Neville. After over 100 days of war, Palestinians are keeping up the fight against Israel, allegedly using a patchwork of weapons built by nations including Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea, smuggled into the enclave over the years. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports a deal to allow medical supplies into the Gaza Strip and to the hostages Hamas is holding was agreed to by Israel. Palestinian militants have been battling Israeli forces in devastated northern Gaza and have launched a barrage of rockets from further south in a show of force more than 100 days into Israel's massive air and ground campaign against the tiny coastal enclave. The fighting in the north, which was the first target of Israel's offensive and where entire neighborhoods have been pulverized, shows how far Israel remains from achieving its goals of dismantling Hamas and returning scores of hostages captured in the October 7th attack that sparked the war. Uh, we've come across uh, not once and not twice uh, in a house where we find Hamas firing from. Uh, we will go in and we will find Hamas with uh, women and children there uh, as uh, human shields. An associated press analysis of more than 150 videos and photos taken in the three months of combat since Hamas launched its October 7 attack on Israel shows the militant group has amassed a diverse patchwork arsenal of weapons from around the world, much of it smuggled past a 17-year blockade that was aimed at stopping just such a military buildup. The majority of their arms are of Russian, Chinese or Iranian origin, but North Korean weapons and those produced in former Warsaw Pact countries are also present. It has been 102 days since babies, children, toddlers, women, men and the elderly were brutally dragged into captivity in Gaza.
Gatta's prime minister has warned of the massive destruction inflicted by Israel's offensive on Gaza and criticized the Israeli defense minister's rejection of a ceasefire in the battered enclave. Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdul Rahman Al Thani says Gaza is not there anymore and is urging a two-state solution. More than 100 days into the conflict, Palestinian authorities say the death toll in the enclave has passed 24,000. Hamas's October 7 attack on southern Israel that triggered the war killed around 1,200 people and saw some 250 others taken hostage by the militants. I'm Charles Dilatesma. Up next, the fate of transgender bathrooms for students, major airline merger on hold, and what's to blame for layoffs in the tech sector. Those stories and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Out of the fight over bathrooms for transgender students, the Supreme Court. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani has details. Federal appeals courts are divided over whether school policies enforcing restrictions on which bathrooms transgender students can use violate federal law or the Constitution. The high court has rejected an Indiana case in which an appeals panel upheld an order granting transgender boys access to the boys' bathroom. The judge who wrote that opinion says given legal battles nationwide over transgender rights, at some point the Supreme Court will stay. Step in. Sagar Magani, Washington. Accused Gilgo Beach serial killer Rex Howerman has been charged with a fourth murder, the killing of a 25-year-old woman who was last seen alive on July 9, 2007. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. The New York architect and father of two adult children was in court to hear the latest charges against him, killing Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Uh, the defendant is charged with murder in the second degree, not murder in the first degree, because uh, for murder in the first degree, you have to you have to commit uh, three murders within a 24 month period. Suffolk County D.A. Ray Tierney says her body was found near Gilgo Beach, along with the three other women he's charged with killing. Tierney says while the investigation continues into the other bodies found near Gilgo, he's grateful. She's uh, sorely missed by those that loved her. And, uh, you know, I know I speak for the entire task force when I say it's been an honor and a privilege uh, to work these cases. Uh, and to provide that you know small measure of closure for, for the family members. Police say a break in the case came when a new task force looked into old evidence linking Hureman. He denies all charges. Julie Walker, New York. There are 50 new federal hate crimes charges for Anderson Aldrich, the man who pleaded guilty last June in state court to five counts of murder and 46 counts of attempted murder, one for each person at Club Q during the November 2022 attack in Colorado. An update on that story from Lisa Dwyer. Aldrich, who is non-binary and uses they-them pronouns, also pleaded no contest to two state hate crimes charges under a plea agreement. 
Aldrich reportedly made racist and anti-LGBTQ plus comments online leading up to the shooting. The 2022 attack came more than a year after Aldrich was arrested for threatening their grandparents and vowing to become the next mass killer while stockpiling weapons, body armor, and bomb-making materials. Those charges were eventually dismissed, however, after Aldrich's mother and grandparents refused to cooperate with prosecutors. I'm Lisa Dwyer. A proposed merger and more consolidation in the nation's airline industry has been put on hold for now as a judge is blocking JetBlue's $3.8 billion buyout of Spirit Airlines. Ed Donahue reports. The Justice Department sued to block the merger, and federal judge William Young is siding with the Biden administration, saying the deal would reduce competition. Spirit is the nation's biggest low-cost airline. The administration fears the merger would drive up fares. JetBlue says it disagrees with the ruling and is considering whether to appeal. In his ruling, the judge wrote, Spirit is a small airline, but there are those who love it. To those dedicated customers of Spirit, this one's for you. The ruling could open the door for another budget carrier, Frontier Airlines, to make another attempt to buy Spirit. I'm Ed Donahue. Thousands more job layoffs announced in the tech sector, likely due to expansion in artificial intelligence. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech report. More big tech layoffs were announced this week, this time from Google. This following thousands of layoffs in 2023, labeled as the year of efficiency, analysts and industry experts believe the layoffs would be smaller and more likely targeted this year, while the firms are racing to catch up with AI, spending billions of dollars that would normally go across multiple divisions, including the Google Voice Assistant, advertising, and the teams responsible for Pixel and Fitbit. DA Davidson and company analyst Gil Luria said, no company wants to get left behind by the AI revolution, and they're all making sure that they have these capabilities and are prioritizing them, even when it's at the expense of other initiatives. In hardware news, today is the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked Showcase, where they debut their latest cell phones, earbuds, and the specs for the new Galaxy Ring might be announced, and a good bet that Samsung will be making use of their trademark, Phone AI. Tell us what you think at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Midweek sports on America in the morning. Here's Robert Workman. NBA Tuesday, the 76ers nip the Nuggets 126-121. Joel Embiid had 41 points and 10 assists. His predecessor as MVP, Nikola Jokic, countered with 25 points and 19 rebounds. Sun shaded the Kings 119-117, closing out the game on a 23-4 run. And the Clippers sailed past the Thunder 128-117. Paul George had 38 points. That's his season high. College basketball number two, Purdue pounded Indiana 87-66. Zach Eady at it again. The reigning national player of the year, 33 points and 14 rebounds. Number three, Kansas topped Oklahoma State. Number six, Tennessee flattened Florida 39 for Dalton Connect. Conference road losses for number nine, Baylor. Number 11, Wisconsin. 16th ranked Utah State and number 19, TCU. NHL, the Oilers won their franchise record 11th straight game, beating the Maple Leafs 4-2. Jets doubled up the Islanders 4-2. They regained the top spot in the NHL standings. Avalanche scored four times in the third to crush the Senators 7-4. Blackhawks shaded the Sharks 2-1 in a shootout. Boris Kachuk scoring in the ninth round of the tiebreaker. Flames licked the Coyotes 3-2 in overtime. Capitals blanked the Ducks 2-0. 24 saves for Darcy Kemper. All the wins are so important right now. Uh, not really focused on the shutout. Just a huge two points for us. And uh, we just got to keep rolling until uh, the All-Star break here because uh, the standings are uh, are so tight.
Rangers rip the Kraken and the Stars dazzle the Kings. NFL divisional round games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. On the coaching carousel yesterday, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh interviewed for the Falcons job. He's the seventh candidate that Atlanta has spoken to so far. Mike Tomlin told Steelers players and coaches that he intends to coach the team next season. At the Australian Open, American 4C Coco Golf and 5C Jessica Pagula were second round straight set winners, along with unseeded Americans Alicia Parks and Amanda Anisimova. Men's top seed and defending champion Novak Djokovic playing his second-round match this morning as he goes for his record 25th singles title. That's Wednesday Sports. Thank you, sir. When we return on America in the Morning, sports franchise owner in the news for all the wrong reasons with ties to Harvey Weinstein. That story, When America in the Morning, continues after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. The owner of two high-profile sports teams in New York faces a lawsuit for sexual assault, and it has ties to Harvey Weinstein. Correspondent Gethin Coolball has the story. A woman has alleged that New York Knicks owner James Dolan sexually assaulted her a decade ago and then set her up to be molested by now-imprisoned film producer Harvey Weinstein. That's according to a federal lawsuit filed Tuesday in Los Angeles. Plaintiff Kelly Croft is seeking a jury trial and unspecified damages. She has consented to be publicly named and says she has come forward to seek accountability. Dolan is executive chairman of Madison Square Garden Sports Corp. He heads the NBA's Knicks and NHL's Rangers. His attorney says there is no merit to the allegations. I'm Geffen Coolbaugh. The TV show Better Call Saul did something at the Emmys that had never happened before. Kevin Carr has that. After the Emmys, most people focused on the big winners and the comedic moments of the evening. But there was one show that ended the ceremony with an unfortunate distinction. <laughs> Early on Tuesday, Variety pointed out on social media that the critically acclaimed series Better Call Saul ended its six-season run with a staggering 53 Emmy nominations without a single win. They dangle these things in front of you, they tell you you got a chance, but... I'm sorry, it's a lie. Better Call Saul ended in 2022 and received multiple nominations for stars Bob Odenkirk, Rhea Seahorn, Jonathan Banks, and Giancarlo Esposito, as well as the writing staff. They called him. Slippin' Jimmy, and everybody wanted to be his friend. On Tuesday, IGN reported that while Better Call Saul had been shut out, it hadn't lost the largest number of Emmys in history. Oh, gee, that's swell. And thank you for restoring my faith in the judicial system. Both Everybody Loves Raymond and Downton Abbey won 15 Emmys out of 69, meaning they lost 54 times. And one of the biggest shows of all time, Seinfeld, was nominated 68 times but lost 58 of those. Ah, what's the point? When I like them, they don't like me. When they like me, I don't like them. It's all good, man, because two webisodes of Better Call Saul employee training, which is in a different category than primetime or creative arts Emmys, did receive wins. It's like, it's all good, man. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 